Today we'll start our discussion by recapping Infrastructure Week, and later on we'll tackle the topic that will be on everybody's mind next week, highway funding. Uh, joining us today are Jennifer Schultes, transportation reporter at Political Pro, Stephanie Beasley, federal transportation policy reporter at Bloomberg BNA, and Matt Fuller, house leadership reporter at CQ Roll Call. Uh, we want to encourage you to interact with us during today's chat. You can email us at share at ttnews.com this article page all right let's get started um you know happy infrastructure week everybody uh this is, yeah this is the end of uh, infrastructure week and you know they had like dozens of panels not only in washington but also around the country and you know i just really wanted to recap some of the numbers and uh that all the experts kept bringing up this week um you know the the whole thing about one in nine u.s bridges being in need of repair and that was from transportation for america uh the american society of civil engineers you know giving the u.s infrastructure a d plus in, in their 2013 report card and also this the group of engineers reminding us that we're going to need $3.6 trillion by 2020 uh, just to modernize and man maintain our existing infrastructure. Uh, and we also heard from, you know, state, state departments of transportation officials and mayors. And let's just remind everybody that Secretary Fox was, is a former mayor. Um, you know, mayors were on Capitol Hill on Tuesday uh, saying that, you know, we need Congress to act. We're going to need a long-term plan. Um, and they right now that they can't do it all alone um and even and then infrastructure dominated the national headlines because we had a high profile accident uh with an amtrak train on tuesday it was a deadly crash um even president obama weighed in on it uh not to suggest that it was our aging infrastructure that caused that accident, but just to remind everybody that the Northeast Corridor and the transportation system at large, you know, is in need of an upgrade. Uh, and Jen, at Political, you know, you guys wrote about the Amtrak train. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the week started out um, just packed with, with, it was all going to be about infrastructure week. I write the morning transportation newsletter and in the roundup of events, um, my, my whole lead and everything was all about how infrastructure week was going to dominate everything and then you really saw the Amtrak event take that over and um, fit in a way with with that narrative of like how, how do we invest and how how do we do better like yes we have roads but are, are they good enough do we you know Amtrak is generally safe but there's this technology that we could install that you know we're a few months away from getting it on every uh, you know every mile of, of of Amtrak and in, the whole, in the whole, control. whole country. Yeah. Yeah. PTC was the acronym in Congress this week that you heard um, everyone saying, and, and for lawmakers, I think it really hit home more than ever because you had Senator Carper was on that train right before it crashed. And yeah. on Wednesday morning, um, he was just mobbed with senators coming up to him. Um, you know, putting, putting their hand on his shoulder and saying, I'm happy that you're alive, I'm happy you got off. And yeah. he has said that he um, is going to go up on Saturday and uh, try to visit the hospital because they said that they were just too overwhelmed for his visit um, earlier this week. But, you know, lawmakers have been going back and forth from Pennsylvania. We had our most senior 
um, reporter or senior transportation expert, uh, Kathy Wolf, go up there and she spent two days in Pennsylvania. She just came back. Oh, wow. So, you know, you, you really saw all of the attention going to this emergency and um, in a lot of ways kind of hitting home some of the some of the things that people were trying to talk about more broadly with Infrastructure Week. And Senator Carper, at one point, I think when he was governor of Delaware, uh, I could be mistaken, but he was on the board of Amtrak. And in an interview, I think in roll call, uh, he said that the, that crash was one of the worst he'd seen. And the whole time yeah. that he worked at, you know, he was with Amtrak. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the issue came up on the House side, um, you know, at the House Appropriations T-HUD transportation funding bill markup. Uh, Congressman Mike Simpson of Idaho, uh, he told Democrats uh, that it was beneath them, quote, uh, to bring to suggest that lack of infrastructure, that lack of funding for Amtrak, you know, resulted to this. And then you you had Congressman Israel, uh, Democrat of New York, respond and say that he wasn't making the connection, but he was just reminding everybody of this. And then we even had uh, Speaker, Speaker Boehner. Boehner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, tell, tell us what happened. With well, the, that was an interesting situation. So, I, as you said, sort of, I think. Um, you know, most Democrats on the Hill um, didn't want to use this as, a, as an opportunity to s sort of say, look at our crumbling infrastructure, because first of all, no one really does know uh, the exact thing that happened here. Um, and it is a, a tragedy, obviously. Um, but Republicans almost were, you know, too quick or too ready for this, uh, this attack. And um, with Speaker Boehner, when he received a question on Thursday um, from a reporter saying, you know, oh, well, is this related to our, our coming infrastructure? She, could, she couldn't even answer the, uh, finish the question before he was jumping on her, you know, are you really going to ask that? And, you know, he sort of stormed off stage after that whole thing. But, um, you know, as he, as he sort of said, this, the train uh, appears to be going over 100 miles per hour. Yeah. Um, and obviously there is some issues here that you could, you could bring up with the infrastructure. But um, I think Republicans were really ready for that attack. Certainly, you know, you had the, the transportation, uh, the T-head markup that next day. Where there's an, uh, an amendment, um, they're trying to you know restore a lot of the funding that's in Amtrak, and that gets rejected. And obviously, that becomes a, a really politically charged issue uh, with this this whole you know accident coming to light here. Um, so yeah, I, I mean I think that it's an interesting situation on the Hill because you're right. In, in, I think there's a, a, a bipartisan acknowledgement that in, infrastructure in this country has been crumbling for a long time. You, know, you sort of run through the facts there, um, but you have also a system where a lot of these Republican members uh, don't have Amtrak, don't have trains in, in their own districts. I think it's 184 congressional districts don't have one um, train stop, in, a commuter train stop in their district, and 116 of them are re represented by Republicans. So they don't really have much of a stake in this issue. Um, so there's certainly you know, a lot of Republicans making noise about, uh, okay, this, is, this, is, this particular instance is a tragedy, but let's not politicize it. And that's, and that's certainly an argument that I think a lot of people are you know, I understand where the speaker came in that press conference yesterday where he dismissed the question and then, as you said, he did walk away. Not the right structure. And Republicans, when he was the chairman of the TNI committee, uh, you know, he didn't have a hearing on that. Uh, he didn't want to talk about that. Um, and uh, Republicans on the Senate side, uh, Senator Susan Collins, she was the ranking woman on the transportation funding panel. Um, you know, Patty Murray, that was her home state where that uh, collapse happened, and really didn't have um, 
support, bipartisan support to talk about that. And then we also had, you know, the collapse in, 20, in 2007 and the bridge in Minneapolis, uh, where that was, you know, former TNI chairman Oberstar said that was the opportunity to raise the gas tax. And it's really enact a long-term funding vision uh, plan for the country. You know, Stephanie, if you want to weigh in, you know, not, not only, uh, you know, Infrastructure Week, but, you know, do you think um, that it's, um, it's okay to bring up, you know, infra the aging infrastructure now that, you know, we have the, the, train, the train crash? Well, one of the interesting things I think that happened is, um, you know, as Jennifer said, this really brought a lot of attention to a technology called positive train control. And there was, a, there is a bill actually on the Senate side that would delay implementation of this technology for an additional five years. So it would be 2020 instead of the end of this year, which is the deadline now of 2015. Um, so that bill is headed, you know, presumably to the Senate floor. And so um, I was sitting in on the call yesterday with Senator Blumenthal and Senator Markey um, from Massachusetts, and they were basically talking about how they're going to fight this bill. This is sort of been, being used as something to really embolden senators who were originally opposed to this bill. You know, they wanted to do it in sort of one-year increments. You know, if you need more time, we'll give you a one-year extension, but only until 2018. So it is really interesting to see um, this bring attention to sort of low-lying issues and, and bringing it out to the forefront. But in terms of infrastructure week, I think, um, you know, the markup of that House bill, the House yeah, spending you were, you were bill. Yeah, it, it was like the focus, of course, you know, going into this week, I'm thinking about all these infrastructure week events, but that really became sort of like the touchstone, I think, for this week was that, that markup, and it got really heated in there yeah. with, um, you know, the, the representatives going back and forth about this funding issue for Amtrak, and, you know, they, this bill would cut you know, $260 million from Amtrak, but there's also, you know, a passenger reauthorization bill that passed out of the House that would cut, I think it's about 40% of Amtrak's funding. So, I mean, this is something I think that's definitely not going to go away, and we still have to wait to see what the Senate's going to do. And I thought it was also telling that uh, to start to lead off the markup, the chairman, Hal Rogers, he immediately went with, you know, I, I feel, you know, let's, we have a condolences and our prayers to the people who died in that crash. So, you know, obviously it was, you know, undermining, it was expected, you know, they knew it was going to come. Now, going ahead when the transportation funding bill, you know, is there going to be an expectation? I'm, it's, I'm still, you know, calling, you know, people on the Hill, but have you heard there's going to be an expectation that Democrats are going to, you know, make an attempt to inject some more funding when it reaches the floor? Yeah, I think that we're, we're still trying to figure that out. Obviously, uh, this bill, uh, this latest bill was filed today with the Rules Committee. Um, it, it is simply just a reauthorization of, of the basically the Highway Trust Fund itself. It wouldn't add any money. They have the additional money that runs them about through July. Uh, this would basically just reauthorize them to be able to collect like the gas tax to continue going here. Uh, certainly, Democrats are going to use this as an opportunity to um, attack the fact that you know maybe some Democrats do feel like we need a gas tax increase or. That you know, this is another instance where Republicans, um, who are you know, as the party in control, are sort of responsible for this sort of thing. But um, that this is an instance where infrastructure should be addressed, or, or the gas tax should be raised. But uh, obviously, this is the, this, this is the, the the smallest punt of, of you know of the punts that you can make, right? The, the, of the options that you had on the table here, we're talking a, a three month, maybe a six month, at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, this is simply just the you know, the bare bones minimum to sort of keep this thing going. Um, yeah, and, I, and I, obviously it needs to happen next week. 
Um, there's a lot of difficulties here that still need to be cleared for a long-term bill. But um, you know, long-term bill is it's an invasive sort of uh, accomplishment because you know they tried to do this for years. It's a, it's a very difficult thing because there just really isn't the revenue that they want for a five-year bill. Exactly, and uh, and I just want to remind you that for you and the Senate, see uh, how from the House to the Senate, you know, senators come in, you know, sometimes colder. Just the landscape, you know, train. So, so for the approach bill, um, you know, these are separately there's all these different uh, funding bills and authorization bills um, you know some some policy some stuff is funding um, but for for the probes bill that was marked up Wednesday um, senators have already Republican senators have already started to say you know we're not taking as hard of a line on this um, Senator Collins who's in charge of the um, the money that goes toward transportation she's on that subcommittee she said you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, we're not looking specifically at Amtrak, but but I do want to set aside more money in this uh, appropriations in f for fiscal 2016 for um, rail safety in general, um, That assuming that some of that would go toward Amtrak as well. She's worried about um, crude by rail, about passenger rail, all, all types of rail. She wants to see more money there. So this is how the uh, spending process goes. You know, you, you last up either, so. Yeah. And this could go all the way. Uh, this is what Congresswoman Nita Lowy, the ranking member on the THUD panel, said that you know she's afraid that this is going to we're going to have mm -hmm. an approved um, large omnibus bill toward the end of the year. Is that something that you think is on the radar? Um, well, it's definitely been sort of the, what's happened the past few years, and I mean I think part of the the conversation that was interesting too during that House markup. Um, you know, Hal Rogers, who's the chairman of the, the House Appropriations Committee, was just talking about sequestration. And of course, there are funding caps, yeah. and, and I think that's part of what's really um, hindering, I guess, this discussion, or at least it's a big part of why there's this debate about how much more can we give, because, you know, the President and Congress agree to these, these funding caps, and, and now, um, where do you get the money from? You know, if you give more to Amtrak, how do you offset that? So that, that's something that definitely, I think, is going to be a big debate. Yeah, and the president's request is obviously not going to go anywhere. You know, you had the chairman of the THUD committee, uh, D.S. Ballard of Florida, saying, calling uh, the request borderline fantasy, you know, so. I think Hal Rogers called it illegal. That's right, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. Um, Matt, any uh, heads up on when, you know, the THUD bill could reach the floor in your, uh, your well-plugged-in sources? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they're making their way through the appropriations bills in the House. Um, you know, we've seen in the past the, the old like T HUD goes down with a thud sort of yeah. where they've had to pull the bill in the past. Um, certainly, you know, it's, it seems like as you sort of said in the past, uh, the Senate hasn't really done appropriations bills. Uh, this isn't going to go spending isn't going to move through regular order, right? Yeah. So um, you know, the best you can hope for really is the omnibus or a minibus situation. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think that everyone sort of got their eye toward the end of the year here, sort of the October deal. Uh, when the new fiscal year starts coming around, um, these appropriations bills are really just sort of practice for them to, you know, work on their typing or something here at this yeah. point. Uh, you know, we're, they're not really going to get these bills through and signed to the president. So it is, in, the, in that sense, it, the whole process is actually a fantasy. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they are important, obviously, to, to sort of lay down the markers of where uh, these things are. But that, you know, that's just basically a messaging thing, which is what the president's budget request really is as well. So yeah, and Chairman Rogers was very proud of the fact that this was the the earliest uh, that the East passed uh, probes bills. He, I think, he even said in recorded history. I didn't, I didn't look that up. Well, we'll see if it translates to, <laughs> yeah. to them actually getting it to the president. Yeah, so, you know, he was very proud of that. Uh, and I, I, I do want to get to the highway funding uh, bill, um, you know, and then, as you mentioned, there is uh, a new legislation from Congressman Ryan and Congressman Bill Schuster uh, that's going to go before the Rules Committee on Monday. Uh, but if we can take one last step back, um, you know, okay, so maybe a philosophical question, but we have the Amtrak crash, we're not making a causal link, and you know, we had the 2013 bridge collapse, 2007. We can go back, you know, I remember in West Virginia, uh, there were pipe, pipelines bursting. I know Politico did a big expose about our aging pipeline system. Um, you know, what's it gonna take, um, you know, like, why, you know, like, yeah, what's it gonna take to, you know, get some of these members' attention? You know, like, because I was at a panel, uh, Monday, uh, and uh, one of the speakers for Infrastructure Week, and one of the speakers says, well, we're all going to wait for the big one to happen. You know, do you guys, um, you know, you buy into that, um, you know, that, that, that concept? I guess what the speaker said, you're going to wait for the, they're going to wait for the big one to yeah. happen, like a big yeah, I, I don't buy. I don't agree with that. I think we've had the big one. I thought it was 2007, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, the, you know, that we, that this is very difficult to get lawmakers' attention, you know, to, you know, to act. So Support, yeah. well, supporting infrastructure spending is always a concept that's out, out in the ethereal, right? Where lawmakers can, can always say, I support renewing our infrastructure spending or whatever. But when we get down to this, this sort of specifics of, of legislation, right, uh, where, where are we going to spend on, where are our priorities? And, and when you look at the, uh, you know, the, the facts as you sort of laid out, like one in four bridges, which is more than 147,000 bridges, yeah. are structurally deficient, right, or, or, or functionally obsolete uh, are the terms. So uh, when it gets down to actually spending money on those things, uh, that's when congressmen sort of start, start balking, like, wait, it's going to cost this much. Uh, when it's just sort of about, in, the, in general, there seems to be this bipartisan appeal, um, this, you know, support for we're going to spend money, we're going to fix our infrastructure. But then when it gets into the specifics of, well, that bridge isn't in my district, right? It, it becomes, um, it's almost a, a, a exercise in log rolling, yeah, right? It's Where not my problem. It's not my problem, right? So if, 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 if there's, you know, I get one bridge and everyone else gets one bridge, then I have to foot the bill for 434 bridges that I don't want just for that one, right? So yeah. it becomes difficult. And, 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 if, and miraculously, if your, if your district doesn't have any bridges that, uh, you know, don't need any repairs. Yeah. So this you're, is a difficult you're in a non-infrastructure uh, district. Yeah, somehow you've, yeah. you've made it through like just living in the forest, right? Yeah. yeah. So in a lot, Don Young, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that you know the, the difficulty here obviously is is finding support in Congress for uh, these sorts of things, um, bringing it from the ethereal into the very specific sort of infrastructure spending that they yeah. want. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that spending. seemed to be where things kind of fell apart because I know when this Congress started back in January, there was a lot of optimism about infrastructure funding. And, you know, one of the famous sort of like bromances was between Secretary Fox and then House T&I uh, Chairman Bill Schuster. Oh, yeah. They were going everywhere together yeah, and talking right. about yeah. we're going to do this. They had a Twitter fest. A Twitter yeah, fest. I mean, it was just a lot of love going on there. But then, you know, the administration put out their proposal 
proposal, this um, six-year, $478 billion like reauthorization plan, and uh, Bill Schuster's like, I don't like it. So, right. so I, I think when you get to the funding, yeah, it's, it's just like where the split happens. So, and they still haven't seemed to have come to any kind of consensus on how they're going to fund all of this. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you, panel. Um, and remember to send those uh, those, those questions. Um, and right now, you know, I do want to shift to the highway funding. And uh, we turn to the highway funding debate on Capitol Hill. And to set us up, uh, this week uh, we uh, interviewed Janet Kavanoki, uh, the Executive Director of Transportation and Infrastructure at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Uh, she joined our, my colleague, Jonathan Reiskin, in a Skype interview. Um, and we have a clip. Let's talk about hitting walls for a moment. The two, um, the two things in the news currently are, one, it's Infrastructure Week, and two, um, Congress, both houses, are working on um, funding for surface transportation. There's, there, there are two schools of thought. One says, uh, let's go back to the good old days where we have a six-year or so long-term uh, plan. We plan out things rationally over a period of time. We fully fund them. Another says, let's get by the next two to seven months. Um, we'll do some stopgap funding because we can't really reach an agreement. Do you think, to, 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 to um, handicap the uh, race, do you think we're looking at patches forever? Or is it conceivable that we could actually get to the point of a long-term solution anytime? You know, there really is actually one solid school of thought, which is we need a long-term fully funded transportation bill. And that belief is pervasive across Congress. There are some naysayers who would rather see state and local governments take over all of transportation. Um, there are some people who ideologically just don't want to see the federal government in transportation. But I think that it's to the credit of leaders in the House and the Senate, whether that's Bill Schuster and Peter DeFazio in the House, or it's Jim Inhofe and Barbara Boxer in the Senate, that, that they've made the case that the federal government needs to be a player and we need long-term bills. The problem here is finding the money. Uh, and finding the money comes down to, do you believe we need a user-funded system, or is it just too hard to deal with user funding, and now we have to go and find other ways to pay for transportation? Uh, because we've moved away from the from the concept that we should be we should be paying based on what users pay it it just throws transportation in with every other federal program that is looking is looking for revenues and that's what's complicating this discussion and debate i do believe yes we're going to end up with an extension here in the next week or so but everything i'm being told whether it's the ways and means and finance committees which are the ones that are really well driving the proverbial truck on this issue um, or it's the authorizers in House Transportation and Infrastructure, Senate Environment, Public Works, Commerce, and Banking is there is a lot of hard work going into finding the money for a long-term bill. So, you know, I'm optimistic so long as that we can keep some pressure on Congress, so long as states, you know, governors, state DOT directors, mayors keep telling Congress, here's why you've got to do your job. As long as we don't become an afterthought, we can actually get a bill done. I'm, I'm guessing that the, the authorizing people you mentioned in House T&I or um, Senate Environment, Public Works, et cetera, they, they seem to talk to each other, and I wouldn't be surprised to see an, an inventory of projects to work on that they could perhaps agree on. 
but but the paying for it all seems to be the the issue. Is that how you see it, or is there different log jams? You know, I, I think that the authorizing committees, the ones that deal with policy and programs that are that are linked to delivering projects to speeding up project delivery to making investments in freight transportation that decide what are the priorities and where will the money go. I think those folks can really come to agreement. Uh, and you know, Map 21, Moving Ahead for Progress in the 21st Century, actually made historic reforms to the policies and programs. I think the real problem right now is the question of paying for it. And this is a different challenge that has faced transportation than has faced transportation advocates in the past. It used to be with earmarks and with the ability to really identify projects in every congressional district in every state that the power was held with the authorizers. That they could go to leadership and say, we're ready to pass a bill, we're ready to show America you know, that we can bring home you know, projects to them that matter. Now you're talking about really having to focus on the finance and ways and means committees and they've got a whole lot of other things on their plate that aren't necessarily related to fixing the transportation problem. So as transportation advocates, we're going to have to be smarter about understanding the entire legislative playing field. We're going to have to care about what's going on with TPA, with Trade Promotion Authority, or the Ex-Im Bank. We'll have to care about what's going on with tax reform or tax extenders. We've got to pay attention to more than just what we used to, which is how do we drive a transportation bill. We've got to figure out where in the legislative process we fit. Uh, I want to thank my colleague Jonathan Reiskin and Janet Kavanoki uh, for uh, taking time to uh, talk about the status of the you know highway funding and the importance of uh, having a long-term bill to uh, businesses. Uh, that's the platform of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, and Kevin Oki, as you guys know, she was at that hearing the Senate Commerce Committee had on long-term funding, the need for having a long-term funding solution for transportation. Um, and at that hearing, McCaskill, uh, Senator McCaskill, Democrat of Missouri, uh, she said that it was a joke that with 27 days left or whatever it was at the time that we didn't have a you know a highway bill and I think she was referring to the short-term patch not like a long-term highway bill uh, but we today you know we have some breaking news um, and political was the first to report uh, that um, you know the TNI chairman Bill Schuster and the House Ways and Means uh, chairman Ryan uh, Paul Ryan uh, they have uh, unveiled a uh, an extension that will take us uh, through July. And uh, this is actually hot off the press. Uh, we have a statement that they've issued, a joint statement, and uh, quote, it was our preference to move an extension through the end of the year, but we will need more time to reach a bipartisan agreement on offsets. This legislation will allow transportation spending to continue through July while we work toward a next step to close the trust funds shortfall. And it's worth noting that uh, Yesterday, uh, Senators Boxer and Carper uh, um, unveiled a similar legislation. I don't know if it's identical, uh, but you know the rules is going to meet on Monday about this. You know, you know what do you think? Um, you know where do we go from here? Well, obviously this is a, the short-term patch, as I said, the the, the sh smallest punt of punts, right? Um, so this this issue is just kicked off for a little little bit longer. Now they have to do. Uh, you know, some more of the real work here to try to find the offsets. The problem is, uh, you know, 
in Congress, you never want to use your real offsets for something that, that everyone sort of agrees you want to do, right? So uh, everyone's looking at this and saying, what are the sort of the fake offsets, the, the, the fake pay-fors uh, that you can use for a highway build? And then obviously the difficulties, too, that um, if you want a long-term build, those, those pay-fors have to be a little more real than, than just um, you know, the, the smallest sort of things. Now, uh, I think Hatch, uh, Senator Hatch had said this week he was open to the idea of black liquor as a pay-for, which is, you know, um, that it's just like a byproduct of, of making actual, actual paper, and it's really just one of the most gimmicky sort of pay-fors that they have in Congress, which really signals that no one wants to pay for this thing um, in, a, in a real meaningful way, right? This is, this is something that, by and large, both sides agree they want to do. Um, it's just you don't want to use the money that you have in, in offsets to pay for something like the Highway Trust Fund when everyone sort of agrees from both sides that they want to get this done. It was worth noting that uh, you know Congressman Ryan was ex very adamant uh, last month in a breakfast with reporters hosted by the Christian Science Monitor where he said we're not going to raise the gas tax. That's you know off the table. You know I want to because the bill is sponsored by Ryan and Schuster. I want to assume that it has the backing of fellow you know GOP colleagues. Uh, but, you know, that hasn't been the case, as you guys know, for, you know, legislation that House leaders, you know, have been very uh, passionate about and wanted to pass. Um, you know, Jennifer, can you talk about, you know, the political landscape and some of the state of play, you know, that not only at rules, but also, you know, going forward, um, you know, when it reaches the floor, presumably as early as Tuesday? Yeah, so Republicans really wanted to uh, extend through the end of the year, which uh, is a little bit different than this two-month patch because a two-month patch is only a policy patch because we actually haven't uh, run out of money yet. So yeah, the, um, the trust fund still is going to be operable right. through July. So this first, th this one that they're now opting for, the two-month patch, is a lot easier of a lift because, as Matt said, you don't have to come up with money to do that. And um, Chairman Ryan and other, a lot of other Republicans were holding out and trying to come up with just enough money to extend both policy and funding through year's end so that they could then, uh, fingers crossed, get a tax overhaul and use the money from tax overhaul to uh, fund high, you know, highway projects and um, do this for multi-year. So everybody has the same goal of wanting to um, provide some kind of temporary patch to buy them some time to do a multi-year bill. But there's just some different ideas, as Matt said, about where you come up with that money. And uh, this, nobody has been as um, against, you know, the the two-month patch or the uh, year-end patch. Uh, both both sides just wanted different things. The people who have been advocating for this two-month patch have said, let's align this with the expiration or the you know the the operational low of the highway trust fund so that then we only have two months to kind of rally again and we keep momentum and then we come up with a multi-year plan in the next two months which sounds incredibly ambitious so we'll see what they come up with but uh, in the end they just ran out of time and couldn't find the money for the year end so they said let's do this free thing that just gets us yeah. to this other point so it really just keeps the heat on to you know, to where we're going to be seeing this become a problem right before they want to leave town in August. So they will have to come up with money then, or else there will be no money. Um, and then when we the, say they're going to run out of time, let's just it's worth noting they had ten months to uh, <laughs> you know come up with something. And Stephanie, the Senate uh, uh, Environment and Public Works Committee has scheduled a markup. Right. Um, uh, in uh, July about this. Um, you know, what do you think that says? You know, you think. Um, 
you know, senators are, you know, very serious about this, and they, you know, Inhofe and uh, Senator Boxer, they're going to collaborate and, you know, present a plan that everybody's going to be happy with? Yeah, well, you know, Chairman Inhofe and uh, Ranking Member Boxer have been getting along pretty famously um, throughout this process, and they've made it clear that they really wanted to have a clean, you know, policy bill by July. And, you know, Senator Inhofe has said, you know, when there were lots of talks about this end-of-the-year patch that he would support that. I mean, but it, it seems sort of reluctant. He really wanted to get something done, and he still does want to get something done by July. I actually ran into him in the halls of the Capitol uh, recently, got in the elevator with him, and he's like, you know, I've, I've been consistent. This is what I want to do, but if it takes six months, you know, I'm willing to support that. But, I, you know, if it's two months, I'm willing to support that too. So, yeah, they're going forward with a markup of a um, six-year reauthorization bill in June. And, um, yeah, I think that sends a strong signal that they're, they're very serious, at least on that committee, about getting something done. Now, what's still a question. Well, and other Republicans have, in the Senate, have said that's not realistic. It, we, that might get through the Senate, but there's no way the House is going to agree to anything that raises taxes. So you can have your six-year bill. You can move that forward. You can think that's going to become law in two months. But, you know, uh, Senator Hatch was the one who said, you know, that is not realistic. This is not going to happen. So. And we have a, we have a question uh, from John. Uh, what happened to the seven-month uh, extension that Paul Ryan was talking about? So I guess he's referring to, uh, you know, Paul Ryan saying that, I think I was at that breakfast, so uh, saying that he wanted something to take us through the end of the year, and all of a sudden we see this, uh, this July thing. Matt, have you heard, um, you know, you know well, it's clear what happened leaders? With, yeah, well, it's clear <laughs> what happened to the seven-month uh, seven thing is basically they ran out of time and uh, maybe they didn't have enough money. Um, obviously, you know, by doing it to the to the end of the year, you're sort of starting to line up the things where people are at least are thinking that you might be able to get some sort of some small component of a tax overhaul that will be able to pay for this. Uh, as you know, you've said he's, he's been very Paul Ryan's been very clear he's not going to raise the gas tax, and even really Democrats have kind of come out and said we're not going to do that, which is why it hasn't been done in you know, since the early '90s, right? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, so I, I think that um, Ryan's ambition was to be able to kick this out there somewhere and get some component of tax reform that uh, they really wanted. Now the difficulty there is, uh, as everyone sort of pointed out, if you're going to do a small component of tax reform, it just sort of reforming corporate taxes, um, it doesn't look so great if you're cutting taxes for GE and keeping individual tax rates the same, which for small businesses, when, when someone's filing as an individual, there's you know a lot of people in Congress will say it's unfair for a small bit. We're going to give a tax break to the largest businesses, but not to the you know small business owners. And then when you get to okay, we're going to let's, let's bring the small business owners into it. Then you start opening up the whole tax code, and it becomes too large of, a, of an overhaul, right? Which is the, the difficulty here. So the seven month you know just sort of went away with um, where we are right now in the debate. I mean, obviously this expires and functionally for for congress you're only talking a few legislative days yeah exactly. to actually get this done so it may be mid-may now but uh for congress congressionally schedule wise uh we're only like a week so yeah they have to get this done you know the house immediately uh, i think and the house leaves on the house leaves on thursday, thursday right and so and at least friday right so i mean this is there really isn't the time for even haggling over a six-month bill to get us to the end of the year uh, but that does suppose that there was actually ever a solution for a six-month bill, that there was some sort of revenue that they could dig up and um, it would have been on these sort of 
gimmicky pay-fors that you know a lot of people say um, really don't do anything for actually paying for the actual highway trust fund. It's certainly not a gas tax increase. Yeah, and you know when I talk to transportation sources, uh, you know they tell me, and it's an obvious statement, you know, obvious comment, but you know if we think solving the the issue with the highway trust fund is difficult, what you know when you talk about tax reform, that's that's yeah, the right, big right. Every, gorilla. Yeah, I mean, if, if yeah. we're in the highway world, you know, you always hear the highway trust fund or we're going to do the gas tax, but tax reform, they've been doing the same sort of every year, this is the year for tax reform, right? Exactly. And, and no, no, next year will be, that's the, going to be the year for tax reform. Well, it's the same sort of situation we have now. Uh, and, and I think Paul Ryan's learning that. Although, you know, I think he did come in with, with some expectations of, well, this is actually still a very difficult thing. And he, he really looked to the trade deals first, and which is part of the difficulty here is, you know, you put too much on Paul Ryan's plate with, uh, he's he's trying to get this trade promotion authority yeah. across the finish line, um, you know. Let alone trying to get a, a, a tax deal for six or seven months to pay for a high exactly. tax rate. So. Yeah, and um, we have a question from Sheila. Uh, this one, you know, uh, you guys can take it out. What what do you think can realistically get passed in both houses of Congress? Second part: Is it possible to pass a long-term solution this year? Who wants to take it? Well, I think the, <laughs> the, the difficult, so, I mean, a five-year deal is, uh, is difficult. Um, and, you know, you see, you've seen this in the past with, with when Democrats were in control, a five-year deal was difficult. So, you know, is a long-term deal in the cards? Uh, that's tough to say. I mean, as I said, um, when you start dealing with the longer-term bills, you're talking a lot more money to pay for, and uh, the offsets uh, have to start getting real at that point. Otherwise, you have an agreement from both sides that you're not going to pay for it, and that uh, is maybe politically untenable at this point. So um, maybe what we do see is, it, you know, gets to July, we can get to the end of the year again on another sort of small patch, which they will have to pay for. That'll be the first real test, because they'll actually have to come up with some money for that. Um, but then, you know, a five-year deal, that, that might uh, be a little bit too difficult for Congress, uh, you know. Maybe a one or two year deal, but once again, you know, we don't know. We're looking at we're looking at a, a landscape here that's trying to game out months in advance. Um, and if they could get to this sort of the grand bargain deal, because there's a lot of deadlines that are kind of coming up here. You know, you might have an omnibus uh, before October. You might have some aspect of of, of tax reform. Um, if they could get to that sort of that grand bargain deal, uh, you know, anything could be possible in that. In that um, and. You know, if we look at, you know, let's talk about the dynamics uh, in the House. You know, you have uh, establishment Republicans, you have your House GOP leaders, you have your Democrats, the, if we want to say the Pelosi camp and maybe some independent Democrats, for lack of a better term. Blue and dogs. Then, blue yeah. dogs. Uh, then we have some of the uh, Lawmakers affiliated with Tea Party organizations. Conservatives. Uh, conservatives. <laughs> very conservative. Uh, you know, uh, the, the Tea Party angle on transportation recently has been um, this devolution, devolved the federal transportation back to the states. Uh, you know, when you look at, you know, back to the state of play, you know, this coming week, uh, you know, are the conservative GOP, you know, going to stand behind a patch? And, you know, are they, are we going to, is there an expectation that devolution is going to come up again, that this is the window for devolution, the, that argument to come up? I think you, I think you start to see all of these options. Um, pe people uh, getting 
kind of uh, you know learned on what all of their options are and like jumping into the debate when you have this deadline pressure and that that's one of the things it's one of the reasons that people were gunning for that two month patch like Matt said this is this is the shortest punt but in a way some people saw it as like the most brave of the punts because it then meant that you then have to face this question again in their people who are involved in transportation uh, on the transportation committees who have to come up with, and the, those who have to come up with the money to fund transportation uh, kind of know where they stand like Ryan knows where he wants to come up with the money Hatch knows you know generally where he might come up with the money but um, when you take like the whole conference or you know the caucuses on their own I think um, the idea is keep the pressure on so that people can decide if, if they're going to say um, only devolution de de is their only option I could support or I could support a gas tax or whatever like you only see what the masses will agree to when it's like hey tomorrow we have no more money so exactly. I think I think that's one of the things that we'll see play out if we do you know we have this this two-month patch if they don't come up with some kind of magic money you'll see people start to kind of sort out in those camps and then I mean it could be you could then see it see something through the end of the year or you could see another two-month patch or a couple week patch or you know who, who knows what you're gonna come up with but the idea um, from some people who have been around for a long time like Senator Inhofe he has said basically like we can't let this go we can't let this go on for longer because last time we did 10 months basically people only started paying attention last week so exactly. like let's let's get this and, going. and once again I mean you sort of said this before but um, this bill will not really face the opposition that a longer-term uh, you know measure would because Really, you're just you're just renewing the authority to, you know, for the highway trust fund to collect the gas tax, right? To, it's already it's already operating and already has the money that it needs. It's just this is sort of just get it to July on the existing money that it has. Um, so that you know this isn't going to be that contentious of a debate unless Democrats really jump in on this and say, you know, wait a minute, you, you have a responsibility here to come up with something more meaningful than just a two month patch, and and they might try to you know say that. Uh, and certainly, you know, kick around a lot of these sort of infrastructure, um, you know, statistics that we've we've heard and we've kind of gone, gone through here a little bit. Uh, but ultimately, you know, no one wants to see the highway trust fund just sort of, you know, collapse, um, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, you know, because it doesn't have the authority to con continue collecting the gas tax. I mean, it has the money, so this is really just the the most basic um, sort of solution for a couple months to get them to, to that point. And. Um, Oh, I was going to say, it would be interesting to see, I guess, how people will react to this patch, because I know at that Senate Commerce Committee hearing that you mentioned, Senator McCaskill said that she was basically questioning the U.S. Chamber of Commerce about uh, the possibility of lawmakers opposing a short-term patch. Yeah, exactly. So we don't know if that's something that's going to happen, but also, you know, I was at an event yesterday where uh, Representative James Renacy, uh, is a Republican from Ohio, yeah. said that um, he told himself last year when there was a 10-month patch, uh, you know, passed out of Congress that he wasn't going to do it again. So, you know, he has a proposal right now to index the gas tax to inflation, and then I think it would be until 2016, and then give lawmakers time to come up with a longer-term solution. But, you know, you do kind of wonder, people like this who have said they, they don't like the idea of a short-term patch, how they'll react to that this week. I mean, yeah. I don't think anybody wants it to default, though, so. I think the, I think the two-month patch people are the people who are opposed to that have you know clearly have decided that 
you know, that this is their only option, and I, I don't think there's going to be any any real opposition. I mean, you see, if you see the leaders, you see people like Schuster, you see people like Ryan, yeah. um, McConnell, McKyle, McConnell filed, um, you know, to be, started going through the procedural process uh, last night. And he said we have to do something before Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. they, they will do something before Memorial yeah, Day. Yeah, so they've got it going so that it won't be too painful like they did the, you know, the Rule 14 process in the Senate Correct. so that they don't have to do, you know, rely on people to do some kind of like procedural backflips next week that this will be like mostly smooth sailing if that's what they do decide to do and then you see the House follow suit. I mean, I could, I would highly doubt anybody, I mean, I'm sure people will People will complain, but people were still yes. going to complain mm -hmm. if you if you did a year-end patch. People were going to say this is another patch. You know, like yeah. a patch is not good in anyone's yeah. mind. They they all agree that there needs to be some kind of long-term solution. So I, I don't see there being. I don't see this as um, you know like like Paul Ryan totally threw up his hands and and you know is that people are going to be really mad at him about this. And also like not all these lawmakers really know exactly what's what's going on there's only there's only like a dozen people who really know that policy is going to expire next week and you saw that with um, Senator Inhofe was saying now that everybody knows that the two-month patch is free they're all about it so you, you know yeah. you saw that they didn't understand exactly. that that we didn't actually need more funding for two months and you know so I, I think that the law the lawmakers who aren't totally focused on this will will pretty much fall in line and you know, Stephanie, you brought up the Congressman Renassi uh, legislation that would index the gas tax, and um, and I was under the impression, you know, talking to people on Capitol Hill, that 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 was going to get some legs, and you know, that was going to um, you know get more attention. Um, and but can you talk about you know some of the funding uh, proposals out there? You know, we got public public private partnerships, and that was a big theme during mm -hmm. Infrastructure Week. Um, you know, obviously the gas tax, but also vehicle miles travel. You know, what 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 have you been writing about? You know, what's it been on the radar for you? Well, I think um, a lot of the big proposals, of course, was you know raising the gas tax to eighteen point four cents per gallon. Gas tax hasn't been raised since nineteen ninety three. So yeah. I talked about a Congressman Renacci's proposal. Um, also, Representative Blumenauer from Oregon had a proposal to raise it. I think it was fifteen cents. And almost uh, every stakeholder supports that bill. Yeah, and yeah. he actually criticized Renacci's proposal as too complicated. He thought, he, he said you should just raise the gas tax and leave it at that. Um, so, you know, that's something that's been supported by, um, you know, the Chamber of Commerce, the, the union groups, but it doesn't Builders, seem, everything. yeah, I don't think it's going to go and it hasn't gone anywhere at this point. Yeah. So, um, one of the more popular ideas, I think, has been tax repatriation, which is to take, um, you know, these foreign earnings, offshore earnings, and repatriate them back to the United States. Um, the Obama administration, of course, yeah, has... the Grow America Act. Yeah, the Grow America, yeah, yeah. Grow America Act, which they put out, which would be a 14% one-time mandatory uh, rate for that. Which Secretary Fox called it new and improved. America Act. Right. Yeah. But also doesn't seem to be going <laughs> very far exactly. at this point. And then you have others in the Senate. There's a proposal from Senator Boxer and Senator Paul, yeah. Rand Paul, uh, for 6.5% for voluntarily repatriated um, earnings. And then um, Senator Deb Fisher just came out with a proposal this week. Infrastructure bank. Yeah, also 6.5% voluntary with an infrastructure bank. So you have a lot of these proposals on the, on the House side. Of course, Congressman Delaney um, from Maryland 
had a proposal that would create an infrastructure bank and he's an been pushing yeah. that for now yeah. until his second term now. And it seems yeah. like a lot of people like that idea, but it, it just you know it's unclear at this point. You know, Bill Schuster over at TNI said that he didn't like the idea of creating an infrastructure bank; that it could be another Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So, so you know, those are some of the ideas that are being floated out there. But I mean, in terms of tax repatriation, it's still like. You know, the question is, when you talk to, you know, Chairman Ryan, he said that, you know, he doesn't want to do something like that unless it's part of this broad tax overhaul. So, you know, if they were giving themselves originally until the end of the year to do that, because, of course, they have other tax extenders, things that come up at the end of the year, um, you know, I don't know where that's going to go at this point. But, yeah, those are just some of the ideas that are yeah. out there. And you brought up Senator Rand Paul. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I heard that he's running for president. <laughs> uh, and you have other senators who uh, say they're going to have said that they're going to run for president. They're running for president, um, and that's something we have a, a collection of questions with the same theme. That if um, if they if we have this two month patch and then we end up having a patch through December, then next year is 2016, and you know. Everybody, including the media, sometimes uh, will be focusing, you know, all about the presidential. And I just want to read a, a quote from uh, Senator Carper, uh, the, the Delaware uh, Democrat. You know, where he, when he introduced a two-month bill that he and Senator Boxer have, he touched on that, um, and that is. You know, that our governors, mayors, citizens, and businesses are counting on us to do better than we did last summer and give them the certainty they need for a 21st century transportation system. I fear the alternative, kicking the can closer to another election, 2016, is a recipe for letting them down yet again. Uh, but, you know, that is a valid point. You know, uh, you know, presidential years, you know, not a lot of things get not, quote, a lot of legislative things get done, but, you know, uh, if, if we come to that precipice and then we just have a, a short-term extension through December, you know, we don't get that multi-year bill, you know, is that a valid point? What happens in 2016 with transportation? Well, certainly, if you thought the gas, gas tax was, you know, uh, dead, it's certainly dead if it gets to 2016, right? Because and you put you put this as an election year issue, you know. Who's going to vote for gas tax? Right, right, ex yeah. exactly. And uh, I think this is one of the few issues, and this is why we haven't seen this increase since the early '90s. Is is that one of the few issues that actually gets through to uh, you know average Americans who don't pay attention to politics, who say, "Wait, you're going to raise five cents, you know, or fifteen cents, or whatever it may yeah. be, uh, index to whatever." Uh, no one wants to see gas prices go up, and even <laughs> even when they were at their lowest, right? When we were hovering around two uh, or in, in the winter. Um, it was clear that politicians were, you know, steadfast and, and, and out there. Again, immediately prices are, you know, where, where we were. Um, you know, I think people were looking at th that as an actual uh, alternative in a way that you could pay for a lot of these sort of things. But um, put add 2016 into that. We've already seen that the gas tax doesn't seem to be go going anywhere. What happens when you put an election into the into the forefront here is that all these issues become just more politicized, and, and uh, every senator who is running for president and someone who aren't running for president are just running for re-election. And exactly. House members who are yeah. you know running for re-election every two years, every yeah. two years, right? Um, you know, and, and and frankly, every member is on the perpetual campaign. So 
you know, putting putting the the politics into it and injecting the election into it just makes this issue a lot more difficult to deal with, whether whether it be on the tax side to come up with pay-fors, um, or whether it be on something like a gas tax, even just talking about a gas tax, right? That could be uh, politically dangerous too, so. Yeah, going, going beyond this year makes everything more difficult, and that's probably why Chairman Ryan, you know, he, he definitely wants to get tax overhaul done sooner than later, and I imagine that he, he, his goal is to get that done before the end of the year because he knows that nothing's going to happen next year either. Um, so, you know, you want to align, you want to align those things so that you can, you know, I, ideally they wanted to buy themselves enough time to get their tax dream accomplished and also use that revenue to pay for this, you know, all the infrastructure stuff that they want. and. Um, you know, so so they saw it as an as a desirable thing in in that way. Uh, maybe to just um, so what I'm looking at is that if they don't do um, they don't have a multi-year bill. This let's assume EPW is going to pass the uh, six-year bill. You know, and send it to the Senate floor. Uh, and the Senate doesn't move on it. The House, obviously, you know, is probably going to wait for the Senate to do something. So then we can just, then we'll be looking at a highway bill after when we get somebody else in the White House. You know, is that like the assessment right now? Certainly possible. I mean, you know, if a five-year is, is, is elusive here, then I think that we are looking at uh, after the next election and kicking this to a point where we can get to another president uh, where the the next next campaign and the next election are a little bit further off. Got it. Um, you know, let's um, you know, to wrap up, it was Infrastructure Week, um, and you know, just so for some final thoughts, I just got to say that it's always a good week when uh, you know, Vice President Biden reminds us that LaGuardia Airport, you know, is is similar to a third world country airport, <laughs> you know, as he did on Monday morning, and you were there. And um, I just think it's funny, like, you know, that's, I know Merkel or David Cameron says, hey, everybody, um, my biggest, the airport in my biggest city reminds me of being in a remote part of the Saharan Desert or the Congo, you know, like, uh, but, you know, he does have a point about the infrastructure, uh, you know, so that's Infrastructure Week. Um, and any final thoughts, um, you know, about the week or highway funding and what we're looking at next year? Next week, I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, next week for sure is going to be a busy one. I mean, I, I'm expecting this short-term, two-month short-term patch uh, will get passed. Um, and then we'll, we'll look forward to, I guess, more um, sort of debates happening in summer. Um, but yeah, I think Infrastructure Week, it came at a really interesting time with all of this happening. I mean, I was, as you yeah. mentioned, I was at the Biden event and, and he was just making some remarks saying that um, in his 30 years, I guess, as a senator, he didn't remember yeah, yeah, it ever being, you know, so partisan, this issue that infrastructure was something that everyone could get behind. And, and I think, as I mentioned earlier, you did see a lot of that bipartisanship at the beginning. It's just this funding question. And I think that's something that is going to haunt this Congress until, you know, who knows when, you know, how do you come up with funding for this? And so, yeah, that'll be interesting um, to see moving forward. Okay. Um, well, I want to thank the panel and uh, thank you for your insight. And um, we're going to be watching uh, your work. 
you know, my thanks to uh, Politico Pro's Jennifer Schultes, uh, Bloomberg BNA's Stephanie Beasley, and uh, Roll Call's Matt Fuller. Uh, make sure you follow them on Twitter. Uh, also, uh, many of my colleagues, I want to thank my colleague uh, Jonathan Reiskin and Janet Kavanoki uh, with the Chamber of Commerce uh, who joined us in a pre-recorded interview. Uh, also thanks to the behind the scenes crew at Transport Topics and ATA for their production. Um, and if you weren't able to watch all of this, there's going to be a replay at uh, ttnews.com.